All right. We've been talking about uh, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Jesus. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. What, what exactly is discipleship? How does it look? You know, what, what does it mean? How do we get there? Um, I'm going to, if you have a Bible, hope you do. If you do, I would just say open it to Ephesians. Uh, I'm going to read here in a minute from chapter one, but then I'm going to go back to uh, Ephesians later on and basically cover the first four chapters of Ephesians. Uh, no, the sermon is not that long, but here we go. So chapter one reads like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purchased in, which he proposed in Christ, purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Just open our, our hearts, open our ears, and help us, Lord, just Give us revelation. Give us understanding of the things that you want to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking for a couple of weeks about, you know, what, what does it mean when you say, I'm, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, or I want to, I want to be a follower of Jesus? What, what really does that mean, and what does it look like to follow Jesus? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer used the term conformation. What he meant by that was that to be a disciple means that you have chosen and you're intentionally giving yourself uh, to the Lord with the expectation that he will change you, that he will actually conform you into the image of Christ. Uh, Bonhoeffer would say, and, and I would say also, that a follower is not just someone who is following Jesus to observe not just following Jesus to observe, to see what he might be doing. It's kind of like, if you, look, if you remember back, and we're going to talk about this story a little bit more later, but uh, Simon Peter, when Jesus was arrested, he followed at a distance. But he was just following to observe. He wasn't really interested in being involved. He just wanted to see what was going on. In fact, he made sure that he stayed back far enough to not be included uh, in things. And so uh, that's really not discipleship. At that point, that was a moment of weakness for Peter. What being a disciple means is that I'm going to make an intentional choice to get involved in the life of Jesus with the expectation that he will change me, that I will become like him. I will become more like him. Uh, in their book, Read Jesus, which I, I highly recommend, Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch said this, this is what trusting Jesus is all about. It requires that we draw near to Jesus, that we live under his lordship, that we trust his saving work on our behalf, and in a concentrated act of worshipful and responsive love, conform our lives to his. You see, Christianity is not just Meeting Jesus and liking him. It's not just meeting Jesus and thinking, you know, he's, he's a pretty good chap, and, and I like him. Uh, it's actually choosing to surrender to his will. It's giving up the right to run your own life and inviting Jesus to sit on the throne of your life and to be in charge of you. But it's also to follow him and to live with him in family. We're invited to be a part of his family. And, and the scripture teaches us that the only way that we can become a part of his family is to be actually to be born again. And when Jesus told Nicodemus this, Nicodemus said, you know, what, what do you mean, born again? And he had all sorts of awful images in his mind. And he says, you know, I'm going to get back in my mother's womb. And heaven forbid, it's not that. It's a spiritual birth. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, you have to be born again of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we just read in Ephesians where Paul says 
that the power of the Spirit on you is equal to the power of the Spirit as the Father raised Jesus from the dead. That's, that's pretty powerful, pretty incredible. Still, being born again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being knowing that your hope in life is Christ in you, not you for him, still, being a disciple requires that you choose, that you make choices, that you purposefully give yourself to him. You don't just click it into automatic pilot. You will have to make choices on a daily basis that put yourself in the path of his grace. And so we start to ask ourselves questions. And the questions that we need to ask ourselves are how is what I believe about Jesus changing and shaping the way I live? And better yet, how is what I have heard or read that Jesus said about himself changing or shaping the way I live? Because again, his invitation to us, his invitation is not agree with me, like me, or approve of my message. His invitation was follow me. Follow me. Come and go with me. Go where I go. Know what I know. Have what I have so you can do what I do. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about family. And we talked about the fact that in our identity, uh, we talk a lot about being sons and daughters. And we, we, we are. We are adopted. We are sons and daughters adopted by God into his family. But we are also brothers and sisters. And it's just as much a part of our identity because we're, we're called into and invited into a family. We are the body of Christ. And it's interesting that the passage we just read from Ephesians 1 says that the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if you think about that, if you really read Ephesians 1, you'll have to see that the fullness of God is not seen in you. And the fullness of God is not seen in me. The fullness of God is seen in us. Because that's the call, that's the invitation of God is to join his family. Ephesians 1.22 says, Jesus is the head over all, over everything that is. Jesus is the head over everything that is for the church. For the church, for the body of Christ. Now, uh, in the Gospels, I mentioned earlier, there's a story about Peter uh, where Jesus is arrested, and, and it says clearly that Peter follows, but he follows at a distance. And it's an interesting story. You can look at it. It's, it's in all of the Gospels, all four of the Gospels. It's a fascinating story where, where Jesus is arrested, and all four Gospels uh, indicate that the disciples scattered. The, the, for the most part, they ran away. Now, there's the, one of the Gospels says that Peter followed with someone, with another disciple. Uh, but that eventually they get separated and Peter is alone. The other three gospels just say Peter followed at a, at a distance and that, that everyone else ran away. Now, 
Also, in that story, you have the soldiers coming into the garden where Jesus is praying with his disciples, and they're, they're going to arrest Jesus, and as the soldiers approach, uh, three of the Gospels say someone, one of his followers, unnamed, pulls a sword. Everyone says, Jesus, do you want us to take them out with our swords? And this one person pulls out a sword, and he cuts off one of the soldiers' ears. Now, Keep in mind, he's a fisherman. He's not a sword fighter. Chances are he wasn't aiming for the ear. <laughs> but he gets the ear, but he's unnamed, okay, in three of the Gospels. Now, in one of the Gospels, he's named. And it's, just so, it's interesting to me which one it is. It's the Gospel of John. And here's what we know about the Gospel of John. John is known as John the Beloved. You know how we know that John is the Beloved? He told us. In the Gospel of John, Peter and John run to the tomb, to the empty tomb on Easter. John gets there first. You know how we know? He told us. John and Peter, you know, we, we would say they're the two most famous, right? Peter and John went to pray. Read about them in Acts. They're together. They're friends. But there seems to be something else going on here because in the Gospel of John, John doesn't say one of the disciples pulled a sword. He said, it was Peter. It was Peter. Peter pulls a sword, he takes off the ear, which is interesting because here's Peter. Now, prior to this, prior to them going to the garden to pray, uh, Jesus is telling the disciples about what's going to happen. He's basically telling them, you're all going to scatter, you're going to leave me, you're going to desert me. And, and Peter says, not me. I don't know about the rest of these jack legs, but I'm not. They all may desert you. They may all run away, but I will, I will stay with you. And then he says to Jesus, I will even die for you. And Jesus says, well, actually, you're, you're, going, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Peter doesn't buy it. And then they go to the garden. The soldiers come, and Peter pulls a sword, and he is, guys, he is ready to throw down with soldiers. He's with his guys. He's with his band of brothers. And he is ready to go to battle for Jesus. Sword out, ears peeled off. He is ready. Fast forward, you find Peter by himself, no other disciple around, afraid of a girl ready to fight soldiers when he's with his guys, take him away from his guys, put him by himself by a fire, by a campfire with a bunch of strangers who are enemies of Jesus. And a young servant girl says, you were with him. No, not me. Not me. Ready to fight soldiers when he's connected. Afraid of a servant girl when he's by himself. And so one of the key things I want us to understand about discipleship is that it is easier when we stay together. It is more difficult when you're by yourself.
God never intended for us to do this thing by ourselves. He intends for us to stay connected, to live life in community, to live life as family. All of us have to go through hard things. We do. Everybody goes through hard things. And and as a believer, there are some things that you will have to go through just because you're a believer. There are things that you'll have to endure. You'll have to stand up to scoffers and accusers. You'll have to be faithful in a non-Christian, in fact, anti-Christian culture. You'll have to resist the temptation to lash out at people who disagree with you or who judge you. And I promise you, it will be easier for you to stay faithful and to resist temptation when you stand together. It will be easier standing together than standing alone. We need community. It's a catchy saying, better together. Sounds great. But the reason it is a saying is because it's true. It's true. We are better together. We're stronger together. It's not just fun. It's necessary. It is a necessity that we stay together because by ourselves, we're more likely to stumble. When we're isolated and alone, we're more likely to stumble and to have difficulty. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you can go through chapter after chapter after chapter. In number one, in chapter one, verse one, he says, to the faithful saints, to the church, his body, and the fullness of him. He's saying that the church is the fullness of him. In chapter two, he, has, he says that he has destroyed the wall that divided us and made us one. He says that there's no longer, that we are no longer foreigners or aliens, but we're fellow citizens and members of God's household. In chapter three, he says that his intent was that through the church, the wisdom of God would be made known to the world. In verse 18 of chapter three, he prays that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is Christ's love. In chapter four, chapter four is all about unity. From the beginning of the chapter to the end, he says, love each other, forgive each other, be gentle and kind with each other. Make every effort to keep unity, the unity of the spirit. That's his message. In verse 11 of chapter four, he he says that Jesus has given to the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? Why? To prepare God's people 
for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How do we do that? We do it by the Spirit together. Verse 16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. How? As each part does its work. Here's the thing. We have in the Western world made discipleship an individual venture. When we think about discipleship, we think I'm at home, I'm having my quiet time, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm asking God to make me like Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but it can't be all that. Because the call of God, the invitation of God to us is not go off by yourself and try to become like Jesus. The invitation from God is come be a part of my family. Come be a part of my family because guess what? My family looks like me. Get in my family. Get with my family. Live with my people. And you will find yourself beginning to look like me. The entire letter to Ephesians is about the family of God and the fact that we are better together than we are alone because God never intended for us to be alone. It's the only thing in the creation story that God says is bad. Everything he creates is good. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's the only thing. 20 and 21... 2020 and 2021, uh, not our favorite years, probably. Probably not going to go down in history as our favorites. A lot have been isolated. A lot of us have felt alone at times. We've been anxious. My, my theory, y'all, is that 2020 and 2021 have revealed more about us than they have done to us. It's just revealed some things. Things that were already there that maybe we didn't know were there, got uncovered. Uh, Things like the fact that we're individualistic, we're independent, we're somewhat selfish, we're not very skilled at navigating difficult things. The enemy loves to divide us. He loves to divide us because he knows that if he can get us isolated off by ourselves, he can take us out. Jesus prays in John 17, I pray that they, those who follow me, those that you gave me, I pray that they will be one, just like you and I, just like the Father and the Son are one. It's what he prays for us because he knows how important it is that we not live out on our own independently, but we live for him with each other. Uh, We live in an anti-Christian world. It's a lot like the world that 
crucified Jesus. That's the world we live in. Peter, Peter did great in that world until he got by himself. He was one of the followers. He was the first one to say, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He was the one who stood up and said, if it's you, call me to walk on the water and actually walked on the water. He was the one who said, I'll die with you. But he was also the one who, when he got isolated away from his brothers, said, I don't know him. You got me mixed up with somebody else. I've never heard of the guy. And even cursed himself because they wouldn't leave him alone. We weren't called to do this alone. You need each other. We need each other. It's not that we need to be connected more now than we ever have. We've always needed it. It's just been exposed. <laughs> it's just been exposed. So my charge to you, my call to you, is that uh, you may not need Riverstone, but you need something. You need a body of believers to walk with and to live with. You need a group of brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, to be with. If you're here or you're watching, maybe that body is Riverstone. But what I'm certain of, what I'm certain of, that you don't need to try to do this by yourself. I'm afraid you'll find yourself at the enemy's campfire and you'll lose. So, let's pray. Lord, we know we need you and we need each other. And uh, I pray that we would obediently give ourselves to you. Lord, you know the culture that we live in and you know how bent we are on being independent and being our own person and being individuals. And I just pray you break that off of us and just impress upon us the importance of family, the importance of being a part of something bigger than yourself. Open our eyes to that. Open our hearts to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our uh, prayer teams if they would come and get in place. And uh, we're going to have a time of ministry as we uh, close things out this morning. And uh, I want to encourage you to take advantage of, of this time to be prayed for. This, this is another example of things that if you're going through stuff, if you're having a hard time, if you're anxious, if you're fearful, if you're depressed, uh, if you've suffered loss, and you're grieving, uh, don't try to handle it by yourself. Uh, there are people here who would love to, to pray with you, encourage you, uh, and it's just another example of why we need each other. Uh, it could be that you've never said yes to Jesus. You, you're here and, and you've never made that decision to you know, give up the right to run your own life and to give Jesus the right 
just to ask him, to invite him to, to sit on the throne of your life and be in charge. If you've never done that, uh, any of these, these teams would love to help you, to pray with you and lead you into that decision. Uh, could be you, you have, you're in need of physical healing or, or spiritual healing, relational healing, uh, whatever your need is. Again, don't feel like you have to handle it by yourself. Come up here and let one of these couples, one of these teams help you, pray with you. Um, you'll be glad. You'll be glad you did. Uh, Holy Spirit, we love the way you work. And we pray uh, that you would do in this place what only you can do. Work through your people. Work through your family. Bless your children. In Jesus' name, amen.